Welcome back to another brand new episode of Too Much Podtar as we bring you another episode during the lockout. Uh, obviously, we're still sadly in a lockout. Just, the owners just seem like they don't want to get anything done like right now. They just the players are ready and ready to go, but they it just seems like the the owners just don't want to give them give the players what they want at this point. They're just not really a, in a good place. I feel like this is going to drag on and they keep dragging it on because the, they did have a, a meeting today, which is fr- today's Saturday. Uh, Saturday the, what, 12th? Yeah, February 12th. And they, they only, the meeting only lasted like less than an hour, so that's not good news. It's going to be tough, but yeah, here to break. He's got too much pine tar. Sloppy jalopy. They were doing the uh, the Chris Davis fishing for it. Might be going to call George Brett out. Well, hey, yeah. he is. Winning. He's out. Yes, sir. Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. And Steaming back. He is out. And having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Jim McClellan. Too much potter. <laughs> way, way too much potter. try to break some of that stuff down with me is of course as always johnny black welcome back to the show just wish how's it going just wish we could have real baseball to talk about exactly exactly i would i was wishing you know hoping that we'd be talking about like pitchers and catches showing up this week yeah but that doesn't look like it's gonna happen especially after today's meeting yeah it's just crazy like on during Rob Manfred's uh, press conference, said one of the things he said is like, "We're optimistic. We're going to start spring training on time." And it's that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it's obvious that you know. I mean, pitches and catches are supposed to report basically. You know, every team is different, but they're basically supposed to report this week at some point, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it may be. Different teams have different timelines, but yeah, that's not happening. So the only hope is that they can get, you know, they work a little harder than they have been, you know, and they can get something done by the end of the month. Yeah. And I'd be optimistic, but I'm not optimistic at all at this point. I just wish they would have done more of this stuff, like, back, like, at least have offers on the table back in, like, whatever, November, December. Like, now, like it seems like they're starting they're starting at the beginning too late, these offers. They're lowballing everything. Well, that's the thing, too, is that, you know what pisses me off the most on both sides is that, how come they weren't talking about this last year? 
So, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not like we didn't know it was coming. <laughs> we yeah. all knew the CBA was expiring December first, eleven fifty-nine p.m. You know, I mean, everyone knew it. Yeah. So what are they doing all year? Like, you know, that preliminary talk. Like Tony Clark and Rob Manfred can't sit in a room and have at least discussions about, say, all right, this is what my side's looking for. This is what, and Manfred's. This is what my side's looking for. At least have a basis to go on. When you finally do meet at the table, and of course it took them forever to do that. Yeah. Even through the whole of December, they didn't do anything. I mean, you know, wait, wait till the end of the, you know, it's like, it's like a kid in high school, like getting his homework done on the bus on the way to school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wait till the last minute. Yeah, it's, or it's something, or like even in college, like wait until like something's due at 11:59 PM. You do it at like 11:50. Yeah. And then you expect the thing is too, you leave it to the last minute and you expect results. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you never know when you leave it to the last minute, something could change. Something could go wrong. Oh yeah. You couldn't pull your timeline completely off. And, but they, they knew this was happening. They knew it was going to be, a fight. So why not start it earlier? How come they weren't talking about this last off season? They could have been doing it like even during the whole, the lockout when we didn't have any, or not the actual MLB lockout, like the lock, the lockdown of for COVID when it first started, like when they didn't have a season even set, they should have been talking about that then too. Not just for when they're going to resume that season, but when they, since they knew it was going to expire, like the, CBA is going to expire. Right. I mean, and I understand to a point that, okay, they were dealing with the logistics of the pandemic when it started in 2020 and then half a major league season, a spring training in the summer. Like I understand some of the logistics of that. So maybe it was harder, harder for the owners in Manfred. I get it. I mean, it's a lot to deal with because it's unexpected. You know, I, I can understand that to a point, but what about last off season going into this year? Mm-hmm. Everything was back to business as normal for the most part. You had a full season in 2021. I mean, why wasn't there some sort of like, look, we dealt with the pandemic. We did with this. Now let's sit down and work it out. Um, they worked it out enough for COVID to actually have a 60 game season and actually have a playoffs. They yeah. were able to get that all set in a short amount of time and then over the past year they couldn't do anything (laughs) they couldn't that's what kills me is that is the effort there's no it seems like there's no effort no not at all it's it's, that's that's the most annoying part i mean i understand there's a big difference between especially the economics of it the differences in the money and stuff like that i get that but to not even, to not even sit down together, I don't, I don't know. It's like they wanted to just play the game, like the long game. They wanted, to, like, the, literally, like, the the players had an offer there, and then they just waited, they declined it, and then waited and waited and waited to have a counter offer. They didn't even do it right away. 
like what it took two months or something for them to get a counter offer. Yeah, and they're all dragging their feet. Now, now all of a sudden, you know, because spring training is on the horizon here in another couple of weeks, aside from pitchers and catchers. I mean, the spring training season doesn't start until the end of February, but we got two weeks, basically. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's trying to scramble and work together. It's it's just not going to happen because the players, the closer it gets to the season, the players are the ones that have more of the power. Yeah. The owners are the ones that are losing money. Yes, the players are losing money, too, but owners are losing more. Yeah, so besides that talk, we also have a special uh, interview for you to today on this episode. I'll get a plug then in after the after this. I'll, I'll plug the interview in uh, about for Tyler the Cleveland Guardians, the new the newly named Cleveland Guardians prospect, uh, Tyler Freeman. He's an infielder. He kind of he plays like pretty much all positions in the infield. So kind of a vers- versatile. Type player, uh, uh, we can talk about that a little bit here too, as as well as breaking down some of the Indians' prospect. Or sorry, have to get used to calling them the Guardians. The Guardians' pro- top five prospects, which Johnny, you you wrote the article for that, so definitely know a lot more about those top five guys than I I do because I didn't really look too much into the other guys besides Freeman. But yeah, that's something else we've been doing. So, uh, since there's no season right now, we've been doing prospects for at prime time. A bunch of these prospects list prospect lists. So definitely keep an eye out for all those coming out. And I did a few already. So I I did the Yankees or no, I didn't do the Yankees. I did Padres and uh, uh, Marlins. I did the Marlins one. So keep an eye out for the other ones that we as we finish up. Yeah, let's just start off, I guess, talking about the interview I did with Freeman. Um, so, yeah, it was a great interview. And he gave a lot of good insight about him as a player, him as what he hopes to do for this season and for, going on further. Uh, I mean, he was coming back from an injury this year. And he's kind of just tr- looking, working his way back from that. And... Uh, rehab, but he was rehabbing in Arizona before the lockout. Um, well, he's part since he's a part of the 40 man roster, he's not able to do any work at any like any of the major league facilities. So he's been working, got into a routine at, at, at his home in Texas, just trying to work out from there. So, yeah, we're you, you can hear a lot more of that in the interview when I plug that in. Um, but what are your what are your th- kind of some of the thoughts that you had on the interview, Johnny? No, it seems that I like Freeman a lot as a player. I mean, he's he's an old school guy. You know, doesn't strike out a lot, doesn't walk a lot, just kind of hit hits the ball where it's pitched. He reminds me a little bit of uh, Nick Madrigal, yeah. who came up with the White Sox, um, had surgery also, and uh, he went over. I believe he's in the Cubs now. He, I think they traded him. He was part of the Kimbrel deal, I yeah. think. Yeah. But um. I don't know. Freeman Freeman's a good player, you know, and <clears throat> the the scouts from what I've seen, like they talk about him as just that kind of guy, like you just said, like when you were talking to him, 
just kind of straightforward, puts his head down and works, wants yeah. to get better. You know, he plays second base, he plays shortstop, he plays third base. He could probably play, probably play a little outfield. He's got enough of an arm, enough, enough speed. You know, he's just got a high baseball IQ for that, and he's aggressive, which is, you know, like I said, it's like an old-school player, runs everything out, like that type of thing, and, you know, makes more out of his tools than a lot of guys do. A lot of guys have, uh, you know, they have all this power, they have all this, they have all that, but, you know, Freeman, aside from the hit tool, I mean, he's fairly average to slightly above average above the board, like the rest of the board, but he'll play better than that. Yeah. yeah. Because, of, you know, because of his work ethic and the the way he works and stuff yeah. like that. So I mentioned, I mentioned too, like in the article for the interview, I just, he, you know, the, he's, like I said, he's similar to Jeter, the way he, the power is going to come along the more he works at it. Like, it just come it'll come naturally as he hits like the way he hits he just hits to all fields line drives so like the power just comes naturally the way his approaches doesn't have to work extra hard for that yeah and he's a young he's a young guy i mean you know guys like that especially with a hit tool like his is i mean his ranked it the scouting tool for him is his hit tool is 70 which is incredible you know, because his pitch recognition and everything. Once he once he feels more comfortable at a major league level, give him another year or two, <clears throat> and he'll put up he'll put up ten fifteen home runs a year, yeah. probably still ten fifteen bases. I could see him honestly, if I had a player comp for Tyler Freeman at this point, I could see him a lot like Ian Kinsler. Oh yeah. Just kind of like 15 to 20 home runs, maybe like 10 to 15 stolen bases, you know, maybe a couple of years bumps up, bumps that up a little bit, but like just consistent, consistent play throughout. I honestly, I think he's a better hitter than Kinzel was, but you know, I, I would just say as far as that goes, as far as his power and speed go, I, I could see like 15, 15 guy, maybe 20 home runs here, maybe 20 stolen bases there. But definitely, you know, definitely valuable piece to a major league team, without um, a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, another thing with him, too, that, like, he talked about was just the general, like, he, he doesn't put himself first. He always puts the team first, just like like I said with Jeter. That's how Jeter was when he played. Just wants to win. He, he talked about he wants to bring a championship to Cleveland since they haven't had one in so long. And he doesn't care. He, he doesn't care about the name either. Like, he, he was like kind of embraced the name change he like because it doesn't matter he like just kind of quoting from like uh, the name the most important thing is keeping the name cleveland just representing the city and uh, whatever name they have it doesn't matter so that's i, I love that mentality it's a great mentality to have for anybody yeah that's gonna endear him to a lot of fans the way he plays and stuff, without a doubt, when he finally gets his call up, you know, he might, like I said, he might spend one more year just because he had shoulder surgery last year. Yeah. And just seeing the way he rehabs, I don't think they're going to call him up this year. Yeah. Um, no. I'm, I'm kind of guessing next year they'll get a major league invite. But I think this year, see how the shoulder goes, see how it changes the swing, see what he can work on during the year. And plus, not only that, too, a lot of these guys that may be re- ready 
for major league time. A lot of these teams keep them in the minor leagues because they're going to play every day in double A AA or triple A. Whereas if they make it to the major league, someone like Freeman, especially who could play third base. Well, they have Jose Ramirez. He's not playing third. You know what I mean? So like he, if they call them up this year, he may play two out of four days, like half the time. So that's not, that's doing a disservice to him mm-hmm. as a prospect, and as a player. So I think the best thing for Cleveland to do is just keep him a double A, promote him to triple A this year, yeah. and then give him that invite next year. See where the team's at in the infield. And, you know, honestly, I honestly could see him with his hit tool, especially and solid defense. I could see him settling in at second, at second base for the future easily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you I, know, I like how he's willing to play other positions too, because he was saying about how like he's working on playing first, first uh, short and third as well, besides second. So that I like that attitude. Like he he'll play wherever they put him. Really. Yeah, he just wants you know, he just wants the shot. Like a lot of these guys do, but like you said, like he, he's willing to do whatever to help the team win, and yeah. that's the mentality you want, especially for a guy who hasn't even hit the majors yet. He's all about the organization that drafted him. He's all about, you know, working his way, putting his head down, working it, and getting his shot when he gets his shot. Yeah. So before we move on to. The other top five prospects, the other four of the top five, uh, he's he's he was ranked second for Johnny's list. Um, but before we move on to the other ones, we're gonna I'm gonna plug in the interview now. You guys can take a listen to that, and I'm gonna be back for the. Rest. I just guess I just want to start off by asking you how your off season is going so far, Tyler. Yeah, off season is going well. Um, you know, we're kind of in a lockout right now, but um, I was rehabbing in Arizona first, and then when we had to be sent home, um, just started finding ways to work out out here in Texas, um, and kind of got into a routine, and uh, just been been doing well ever since. So, what kind of things have you been you've been working on, uh, like as far as hitting wise or in the field or stuff like that? Um, you know, just obviously, you know, working on strength, adding strength to my game. Um, kind of feel like that's kind of an every offseason type thing, but um, more so coming back from my injury, definitely adding strength to that shoulder and uh, adding strength into my swing. Um, just kind of working the same stuff, working uh, the entire part of the field, hitting the ball where it's pitched, and then uh, working working stuff on the field, um, whether long toss, uh, arm strength, stuff like that. Um, and just being more versatile, um, moving around the diamond, third, short, and second. Awesome. Yeah, you definitely showed versatility to be able to for this organization. They definitely they're an organization that values that. So Absolutely, uh, yeah, they sure do. What was it like throughout the whole process of the name change being within the organization? You know, it was it was something that it was always in the talks ever since I was drafted in 17. Um, they were always saying, Yeah, you know, it, it could happen. And uh you know, and now it's actually coming into reality. I'm just, you know, 
the, the most important thing is keeping the name Cleveland across of our, uh, our chest. Uh, you know, we could be named whatever. It doesn't really affect me per se, but, um, you know, I think it's cool. I think, I think the logos are unique and, uh, and very, very interesting. Um, you know, I just think fans just need some time to get, to get, uh, used to the new logo and I think everything will be fine. I mean, if we win a championship, use the name guardians. I, I think, I think everyone will kind of forget the Indians name. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Especially since they've had such a long drought, it would definitely change things. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What's it been like uh, being with some of your teammates? Uh, what, have you enjoyed the time you've been with like some of the t- other top prospects within the organization? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm close with, with lots of guys in the organization. Um, you know, keeping in touch with some guys as Nolan Jones, Will Benson, um, Jose Fermin, guys that are in the big leagues, Ernie Clement, Owen Miller, um, you know, just check, checking in like we always do uh, with each other, kind of see how, how the, uh, how our off seasons are going. Um, and honestly, they're just, they're big supporters and, uh, just making sure on my side, the injuries are, the injuries are healing well. And, uh, you know, just we have that strong brotherhood to uh, just, you know, check in on each other and hope all is well, you know. Great. Yeah. It's always a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's what's one like player past or present that you kind of mold your try to mold your game after? Um, there's man, there's a how who I mold my game after. You know, I. I obviously Derek Jeter, that, that would be that'd be a great player to to, you know, look up to uh, and try to move my game after. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, just in all, I just kind of want to play the game the right way. And uh, whether it be modeling it after someone else or just playing my game, you know, I just just want to play the game the right way, um, not not be a distraction on or off the field, you know, and just, you know, kind of sticking my head down and working hard. Yeah, it's a great thing these days. That's what teams really value the most, I think. So good for you, yeah. Yeah, I was actually going to bring up that too about Derek Jeter. Like, he's is he some one of the players that you kind of grew up watching and trying to be like? Yeah, I, I mean, growing up, I, I grew up in Southern California. I was a I was a big Dodger fan. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, whenever the Dodgers Yankees would play rivalry, they do their rival rivalry interleague uh, games. Um, you know, Derek Jeter was just always fun to watch, and you know it. He, he played the game the right way, and that's that's all I want to be remembered as to play the game the right way and work hard, just like he did, and try to outwork everyone possible. Yeah, absolutely. Great. What's uh, something you enjoy to do, you like to do off the field when you're not practicing? Uh, you know, out out here in Texas, I moved out here about four years ago, so still kind of getting used to it, but um. You know, I, there's a lot of lakes out here that uh, we kind of just, you know, go on hikes and stuff and, uh, you know, finding new restaurants out here. Um, you know, my brother, my brother comes out and works out with me sometimes. So we just we always kind of venture out to new food places. And, uh, you know, the barbecue out here is it's pretty good. It's, <laughs> that's all I got to say. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just little things like that. Going fishing with my grandpa and, uh, you know, just trying to have fun. Yeah, it's all it's about. You got to have fun in life. So, absolutely. I haven't been out to Texas yet. So, I will, hopefully, someday soon I'll go out there. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful out here. Whether whether you want the the nightlife or you know just trying to find peace, you have it all out here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 
what's uh what's it kind of like seeing your name on like the top prospects lists and stuff like that yeah it's it's an honor you know um i sometimes it pops up you know you see it sometimes on you know watching lb network and yeah it pops up on the bottom and uh you know you got family right there saying stuff but you know in the end our our it's 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 cool and stuff but i just you know you want to be out there on the big league team winning a championship with everyone um you know, I can't really look too much into that stuff, which I, I don't. I, I don't look into that stuff that much. But, you know, I like I said, I stick my head down and just try to whether whether you're the number one prospect in baseball or not even a prospect at all. I, I try to keep the same work ethic, stick my head down and, you know, try to outwork everyone possible. What do you try to do as, a, as far as tw- like Twitter and other social media? Like it's try to stay away from some of the negativity on there. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's on every social media. You, I mean, you can't really hide away from it unless you delete the apps. But, um, you know, so, sometimes you see it and you just it's, – it's a little chip on your shoulder and, uh, like, just makes you want to work even harder. So try to try to pr- prove people wrong. Right. Uh, just to finish off, uh, what's, like, one big goal that you have for this coming season? Um, obviously, the, the health. you got to stay healthy, number one thing. Um, have a full healthy season and, you know, try to, try to make, try to make it to the big leagues, you know, um, and help the, help the guardians win a world series. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, out of all the years playing, I feel like this may be the year where it could actually become a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just, I, I want it, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I want the city of Cleveland to win a world series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be a big part of that. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think, think you guys have a good good pieces there to be able to contend within a year or two absolutely i mean i i think we're going to be the sneaky sneaky young crew uh we got we got lots of guys coming up who i know i i mean i've played with some of those guys and they're scary i mean we got some scary guys coming up and you watch the guardians are going to pop up out of nowhere and we're going to be like we kind of knew it was coming (laughs) yeah whenever i hear that name i think of guardians of the galaxy yeah, you got everyone. Everyone says that. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe they'll have some kind of promotion with the for this season about like have some kind of Gardens of the Galaxy night or something. Yeah, I get the fans out there. That's all. We, that's all we're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't think I have anything else for you. So thank you again for taking. Yeah, no time. problem. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Yeah. Happy birthday yeah. to your grandmother, by the way. Uh, thank you. <laughs> all right. We'll see ya. See ya. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. All right, we're back. And, yeah, it was a great interview. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, yeah, just a great, great guy to talk to. I have a comment. It was basically just having like a conversation with him wasn't too wasn't intense at all or anything just giving honest answers and really thought it was really good one of my one of the one of my favorite interviews i've done so far so yeah let's just start with the first prospect on the list then too um gabriel arias is an infielder uh what are your what are your thoughts on him johnny 
I like Arius a lot, and that's why I kind of put him over Freeman. I was a tough choice. Yeah. Freeman's got the hit tool, but Arius is the he he's going to play a premium position because he's going to stick at shortstop. That's why that's part of the reason I put him over Freeman because I think Arius profiles better as a shortstop. Um, he's got the tool. He's got the tools. He's got a cannon for an arm. So I mean, he's going to be making throws all over the place. He's got good instincts again, you know, and honestly, his power is um, is up and coming. So, I mean, someone like him, he's a so- he's got a solid body, six foot one, 220 pounds. Uh, you know, he's he's built well. So, like I said, part of the reason I put him above Freeman on this list is because he plays shortstop and he'll stick there. Yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot. And he'll, you, you think he'll be up this year? I do. I do think he'll be up this year. Um, he really doesn't have too much else to prove in the minor leagues. You know, he started in a Triple A Columbus this year, and he had an 802 OPS with 13 home runs, you know, in 115 games. He also had 29 doubles, and he kept his strikeout rate just below 23%. So, I mean, facing AAA pitching, he's, he was solid. And those doubles, I think, 29 doubles, 13 home runs, I think that's going to even out as he gets yeah. bigger, as he gets stronger, and as he gets to the major leagues, more training and stuff like that. You know, but I think he's definitely a you know, a, a really good fielder, solid defense. And if you have that at shortstop, along with a guy that could put up 25 on ones a year, I mean, you, you can't argue with it. He, he's, he's definitely the best prospect in the system. I, I, plus, his proximity to the major leagues. I mean, he's probably going to be up this year. So that's another oh, okay. thing I look at. When I do my top five prospects, I also look at that too. It's not just yeah. it's not just who's got the most talent. It's a balance of talent and how they've done in the minors in pro ball and also the proximity to so it's a balance of everything. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's why right. it's number one. Cuz I think I still think Freeman's got one more year, especially after the shoulder shoulder surgery. So yeah. That's why I have Arias. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I I usually do the same thing, just balancing between how they've done and their talent and their proximity to the majors. Yeah, it's definitely a good good combination of things to look at. Um, so makes it easier for you to rank them. Like if you have kind of a kind of a couple that you're not sure where to go with, or kind of a tie, you can take one of those categories and use that as the tiebreaker or whatever. Oh, yeah. No, a lot of it is, too. I mean, some of these guys were drafted either last year or the year before out of high school. So they played, like, even if they might not have played or they've only played rookie ball, A ball, maybe fall league. I mean, so you have not, you don't have a lot to go on against advanced competition. Whereas some of these guys have played at double A, triple A, 
and if they succeeded at that point, then you got to kind of rank them a little higher. You got to kind of say like, all right, well, this guy's proven it already. It's hard to say some 18 year old out of high school that dominated that is going to be ranked over someone who did well at double A last year. You know, so it's, you know, you look at them all and it's, you look at the tools too. I try to, I try to watch video on everybody, see their swings, see their pitch mechanics and stuff like that. Make my own judgments. Yeah, absolutely. I usually, sometimes I have the same, uh, same ratings as the, the ones on the pipeline, MLB pipeline, but there's a lot of times I kind of go off a little bit from those, from those numbers. If I see something different or whatever. Oh yeah. And that's it. Yeah, definitely. That's another thing too. I mean, I think they had Freeman as a 65 hitter. I bumped him up to 70. Yeah. Just because the way he hit last year, it advanced, you know, at double a, I mean, you know, he's proven it now at a higher level of the minors. So I would bump his hit tool up. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah, because I did that too. It's like Max Meyer. I think I bumped up his his slider. I bumped it up. I think he had it at 65. I bumped it up to 70 because he has like one of the nastiest sliders like I've been, anybody's ever seen like in a while. And he had... He had a he had a pretty good season last year too, so I, I think uh, I, I mean not to deviate from the Guardians list, but I, I think he's going to be a, a, like the future ace of the Marlins. Just the stuff he has is incredible. Like I like yeah. him. I really liked him coming out of Minnesota too, like when he was getting drafted. Yeah, Myers, nice. He was drafted what third overall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right right ahead of Asa Lacey. But it's funny because I'm doing the Royals top five prospects. Oh, yeah. So the Royals took Asa Lacey fourth overall right after Max Meyer. But, um, yeah, oh, Myers. Myers is a solid pitcher. Without a doubt. Like, the, the kids just got Ace written all over him. You know, some of these kids... You look at that, like I said, I'm doing the Royals top five, and I'm looking at Bobby Witt Jr. I'm like, yeah, this guy is just should be in the majors already. <laughs> it's, it's he's nothing to prove anymore. Yeah, and it's funny because he was only drafted two years ago out of high school. Oh yeah, that's crazy. It, it's just a beast. Like 33 home runs, 29 stolen bases last year between tw- Double A AA and Triple A, and he's 21. Yeah, like it's yeah, yeah. He's That's, gonna be gonna be a monster. Yeah, I can't wait to see what he does. I I I really like the the Royals team. They're gonna be a good good young team. Could make some noise. Oh yeah, they their farm system is stacked, man. It's stacked. And that's not even counting the four guys they drafted in 2018, the four first-round picks they had. They all are up in the majors now. Brady Singer, Jackson Kowar, 
Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubik. They're all in the majors, and they still got pitching, and they still have. It's just Royals going to be good in another. I'd give them another year or two, but they. If these guys pan out, man, they're going to be good for a while uh-huh. once they get good. And of course, I have to throw the Twins in it because. You know, that sucks for me as a Twins fan. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're in the same division. Yeah. But but it's impressive. Yeah, it is. The way the Royals have have drafted. It really is. Yeah, let's see here. The second, as I said, the second prospect is Freeman, like you've talked about before. And then your third-ranked prospect was uh, George Val- Valera. Yeah, George Valera. Yeah, yeah, he's an outfielder, and he's yeah, his power, his power is his, his main main thing he he has. Yeah, I kept his power at fifty five just because he hasn't shown it as much in game yet, but he's got he's got it. Uh, he's got he's got plenty of power. His pitch recognition is good, but you know, yeah, pitch recognition—it's it, it, good, and he walks a lot, which is nice. Just I'd like to see him do a little more, as far as being—I don't know if I want to say more selective, but I think he could—I think he more be more of a complete player. The hit tool is there, and it's fine. And the power is there. Like, we walks to strike out. And, you know, he's a modern-day player like that. But that's why I ranked him third is because his fielding is, you know, he's going to wind up in a corner outfield position probably. Yeah. And, you know, as he progresses, the strikeout rate, and the walk rate, the walk rate's going to go down, the strikeout rate's going to go up, and can he get into that game power? Can he still hit as he progresses? Can he still have that 30 home run potential, 35 home run potential, which he does have because of his power, but can he get to that in game without striking out 35% of the time and dropping his walk rate to 10%? You know, that yeah. that's the only question I have about him. He's going to wind up in right or left field also. And that's why I dropped him to third because his potential for hitting for power. If he, if he keeps this walk rate and strikeout rate, if he can honestly do that through the upper levels of the minor leagues, his power is there. Kid could hit 35 home runs a year. There's no doubt in my mind, but he's going to have to, to, to play in the major leagues. Because his defense is meh, you know. Oh yeah. Solid, solid enough arm to play right field, but yeah, you know, nothing that really moves the needle for me. But I just think I put him third because of his power, because I think his power could be a game changer if he gets to it. The potential—that's again, like what we talked about: potential, proximity to the majors, blah 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 blah. His potential for power. Is incredible. He absolutely kills the ball. 
So, and taking into consideration that he walked 18.2% of the time, he also takes his pitches, waits for the pitcher to make a mistake. So, like I said, the potential is if he can make that play as he advances, the power is definitely there for 30, 35 home runs a year. Yeah, just the uh, that's like one of the main sticking points for some of these guys. This, you know, the strikeouts, they like they have the power, but they just have kind of some, sometimes they have holes in their swings and can't always get to the power because of that because they don't have patience or whatever. But he's he seems to have that patience to work, to get uh, work walks and everything. So he's de- I think he's definitely in a better spot than some other guys like. Just from a Yankees perspective, like Esteban Florio, he's kind of a guy who was supposed to, he was such a height prospect and everything, and then just never found that a good enough stroke at the plate. Like he's got a good hitting tool, just doesn't he just doesn't have patience. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem with you know that's the problem with looking at some of these guys too, is that when they play in the lower levels like rookie a low a advanced even advanced a it's tough because they are facing other kids that are 18 19 years old that just got drafted out of high school that just got you know and it's their first go at pro ball like i mean so if if you have someone with a good power tool that has some pitch recognition they're going to dominate it's once they get to double A, triple A, is when you really see if they can adjust. Because a lot of them struggle, and then they'll adjust, and then they'll be good after that. The true prospects. You know, I mean, v- Valera just made it to double A last year. But combined between advanced A and double A, he had 19 home runs in 86 games. So the power is definitely there. It's just that walk percentage and strikeout percentage. I wonder if he's going to get a little too pull happy or something like that and, you know, go for the power or work on his hit tool more and keep the pitch recognition. You never know with yeah. these guys as they come up. Yeah, just to... Like Florial, like we were talking about, like he... And I said it to you a couple of years ago, so I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit because I saw it when he was like, you know, 19 years old. I was like, dude, if this dude doesn't fix his swing, yeah, that's not going to happen. I didn't want to believe it, but it's I definitely saw it a little little bit more firsthand, too. Like when I saw him playing with the rare last year, he like I. I definitely saw some potential, but I just I just don't think he's ever going to find anything there. Like, well, the thing with him is too is that you know it's a it's a thing with a lot of these guys. They're so athletic. Like Florial can run like the wind. Oh yeah, he's a great defensive center fielder, and when he hits the ball, you know he puts a good he puts a good swing on it. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem. You have to be able to hit the ball and get on base to be able to use that speed, to be able to drive the ball, like, you know, and that's the main problem for a lot of these guys that get to the upper levels and it just, it just 
they can't hit. They just can't hit. And if you can't hit, I don't care how good you are everywhere else. You have to be able to at least be a serviceable hitter if you're playing the premium position. You can get away with being just serviceable at shortstop or center field or even catcher. Any other position, your bat's got to be there. If it's not, if it's not, then you just, you can't do it. You just don't make it. And Florio, I think, has all the athletic talent in the world. But he can't hit. Until he shortens his stroke and, and tries to be better, like, you know, just driving the ball. Trusting his, and that's the problem too, is that a lot of these guys can hit okay, but they start trying to hit home runs. Yeah. Now I don't know. I don't know if that's Florial's case or he just has a big loopy swing, but <clears throat> that's what I saw early on. And until he makes that swing a little more compact, a little more line drive, a little more take the ball to left field a little bit, then he's never gonna. Way too many holes that pitchers will expose. I think this next year, like, it's going to be a big year for him to, if he can't adjust, it's going to be, like, that's going to be it for him. Like, he's not going to be able to move anywhere from there. Yeah, because he's only, he's still only, what, 22, 23? Yeah, something like that. Still, I, young. He still can make adjustments, so. Yeah. I It'll be, I mean, he also had all these injuries, too. So if he can have another full year of health, being healthy at the AAA level, he'll have time to work on th- those things. Because it's his, I think it's his only second year, second full year in AAA for, for this coming yeah. year. Well, you see him up close, too, because you're covering, yeah. the, you know, covering the AAA team. Yeah. So we'll see what he does this year. Interesting to see. Hey, man, I don't want to see the guy fail. No. I mean, I just saw what I saw, and you know, but but that's why yeah. I hate I hate when I hate like the overhyping people of prospects, like even looking at Jason Dominguez, people calling him the next Mickey Mantle or Mike Trout, like call him all yeah. these things. Like let the guy breathe, like let him actually do like develop into what he's gonna be. Like I don't. That's why I don't even like really like. Comp, doing any player comps because it's like I don't want to try to say this guy is Babe Ruth when right he hasn't even reached like the highest levels. Yeah, he's literally only had his first uh, professional season last year, so I don't I don't understand why you have to hype him up so much. Well, the thing with player comps too is like uh, you know it's fun to do just yeah. to see like the potential, uh, you know, and I'm guilty of it as well. Like what it, the scouting reports we do before the major league draft and stuff, and you know, you, I, I'm guilty of it too, but I try not to try not to compare people to like, I mean, compare with someone to the next Mickey Mantle. I mean, that's a little ridiculous. Mickey Mantle is one of the best players that ever played a game, you know, as is Mike Trout, and we're watching him now. Like, you know, let's get let's calm down a little bit because Dominguez is still what 19 years old, 20. He's I believe he's actually turning. I don't know if he even turned nineteen yet. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's, let's calm down a little bit with the comparisons. You know, it's one thing to compare a guy if he's drafted out of college. Like I remember 
it's funny, and I'm hoping it turns out, but it hasn't looked great so far. But Reed Detmers was a big guy. I was big into Reed Detmers. Drafted by the Angels. Made his major league debut last year and didn't go well. But in my scouting report, I remember comparing him to Clayton Kershaw. And looking back on it, I'm like, because You know what it was? It's because of the curveball. Oh, yeah. Detmer's curveball is just knee buckling, and it it's the best curveball I've seen in years from a lefty. Easy, and but who knows? He's still young, so maybe he'll you know work his way into. It. But yeah, in, in general, you know, it's horrible to try to comp these guys to to someone like Mickey Mantle or whatever. You know, it's just bad. <laughs> it's just, Oh yeah, he tur- Dominguez turned nineteen just last week. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, it was his birthday. My birthday was last week. February February seventh. Oh, mine was the second. Okay. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Well, let's move back on to. The Cleveland prospects. The next, the fourth guy on your list is the first pitcher, Daniel Espino, right-handed pitcher. Got a great, he's got a really good fastball. He rated it rated as a seventy on here. So, yeah, this kid, this kid's gonna be good. And I was tempted to rate him even higher, but pitchers are. Pitchers are more volatile, and he only made it to advanced day. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, like I said, Valera made it to double A last year. So Espino, I had to put him just below, but he's got two different fastballs. And it's just, his stuff is nasty. His stuff is, is really, really good. It'll be just a matter of him, you know, controlling it. You know, he's got two different fastballs. The kid hits like 98 on a gun. And his four-seamer has a nice rise to it. Two-seamer sinks. So he's got that. Two different ones. And... um yeah, so I mean, he struck out over forty percent of the batters he faced. Yeah, between between Lynchburg and Lake County, like Low A and Advanced A, he's just yeah, he's nasty. Yeah, and he didn't walk really too many either. Ten point four percent. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been everything they've looked for, you know, and. I mean, 152 strikeouts in 91 and two-thirds innings Ugh. last year. It's, he's nasty. Yeah. So, like I said, he's you know he's just another guy that's he just turned 21 in January. He faced low A competition, advanced A. You know, so give him a little time, but another year or two, this kid. I and mean, we know how Cleveland is with pitchers. Oh, absolutely. I mean. You look at the guys they've brought up the past few years. Kluber, Bauer, Clevenger, Bieber, 
Aaron Savali, Zach Plesak. I mean, they've had plenty of success with bringing up young pitches. Carlos Carrasco before he, you know, yeah, obviously had the issues and stuff. But I mean, this kid's the next, the next big thing for Cleveland. I really think so. As long as he can keep that, you know, build up his arm. I keep doing what he does. I mean, the thing with pitches, just as I said about hitters, like hitters, especially who have a hit tool or a power tool, they try to concentrate on the other thing, on on one thing, on the thing they do well. Sorry, not the other thing. So if you're if you're a power hitter, you're gonna try to hit for power and build up that part of your game. If you're a hit tool guy, you're gonna try to do that. That's why the other side of it kind of comes along after so someone like like we were talking about like a Tyler Freeman who's got a big hit tool but not a lot of power he's going to develop his hit tool until he gets to the major leagues and then play for more power Yeah. try to pull the ball more try to hit the ball in the air more maybe add a little loft to his swing like stuff like that the same thing is with pitchers they have the stuff in the minor leagues but they don't trust it because they are able to strike out guys left and right in the low A, advanced A. They get to double A, they struggle a little bit. Maybe they try to nibble because they don't trust their stuff. So they start walking more guys. And the same thing goes as you get to the higher levels. Whereas once you get to the major leagues, if you have the stuff, give it a year or two. And these guys will start trusting their stuff to actually throw strikes with it. And that's kind of what I see with Daniel Espino is that he's got to just trust his stuff as he moves on, that his stuff is good enough to get the top-notch hitters out. We saw it with Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon from the White Sox obviously had a bounce-back year after arm injury and stuff like that, and he's had injuries in his career. But he coming out, coming up through the minors, the dude was dominant. But I think when he got to the majors, he just didn't trust his stuff. And he stopped throwing strikes. Started walking guys. And, of course, when you walk guys, now you got guys on base. Now you make a mistake. And that home run, that solo, what should have been a solo home run, becomes a three-run homer. And that's what happens. And that's what I don't want to see with Espino. I think Espino needs to continue. That's why I put him fourth and not farther up is because I think I need to see him on the higher levels actually trust his stuff. But I think he'll be in I think he'll be in double A next year to start the year. And if he shows out well, he'll he'll make it to triple A and he could be up the following year in the rotation. Yeah, they definitely need more guy they need some more guys in the rotation too right now. They after, you know, trading some of the guys away the last few years. So. And then there's the last guy on the list is Nolan Dro- Nolan Jones. Um, plays third base, but also some outfield. Um, he was second-round pick in 2016 out of high school. And had 13 homers last year. And a, a whopping 356 on base percentage. So he's got a 
really good approach at the plate to be able to walk that much. So Yeah, he's um he's been a prospect for a little while. Yeah. That's why I kinda of bumped him down. I mean, he's twenty four he'll be twenty four in May. He's been a prospect for a little bit and his progression's been fine, but the only knock I have on Jones is that he's got to stop selling out for power. He doesn't need to. Yeah. This kid's six foot four, two hundred pounds. He's got a great swing. Got natural loft to his left-handed swing. There's no reason that he should be, you know, trying too hard. And I think that's what he's done. Um, he could definitely settle in at third base. Uh, he played shortstop in high school, but I, I, I don't think he, he doesn't have the range oh. for that. You know, but he's still a solid, solid prospect. I mean, he might be able to, with his arm, he might be able to settle in at uh, right field also. But he's another one that get into his game power. You know, like I said, he tries to sell out too much and. Pitches, pitches at the advanced level is going to expose those holes in your swing. So, but I mean, I think he can, he could definitely settle into a, to be a third base power hitter, no uh, doubt. Yeah. Who's the one guy out of these five that you think is going to make the most impact for either the Guardians or a team he's traded to? The most impact? Uh, yeah, that's a tough question. one. Yeah, I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to go with Espino, the pitcher. Just because I think a pitcher makes the most impact. Yeah. And I think he's definitely got the stuff. Like I said, the only reason I put him fourth is because he hasn't faced the higher levels. But I honestly think I honestly think the top four will be definitely good major league players. Nolan Jones, I still have questions about, but Cleveland's farm system isn't that deep. So I put him there. Yeah. yeah. Still have doubts about him at the major league level. But um Espino I would say has the highest ceiling. Because I think he could be an ace. But his floor is also, you know, a dominant reliever. Like, so you don't know. The pitches are kind of volatile like that. As far as floor goes, I would say Arias, just because he plays shortstop. And he's a very good defender at a premium position. So whatever his bat does. Like I said before, as long as it's serviceable, he can make a mark. Yeah, so that's uh, the last of the top five uh, Guardians prospects. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to touch on with, with those? No, not too much. I mean, I mentioned a couple other guys. Brian uh, Rocchio is a kid that sh- showed up well at Double A last year. Hit two ninety five, two ninety four. 
with six homers and seven steals in just 44 games. So, I mean, he's, he's another international signing that Cleveland did well on. And um, up-and-cover prospect, infielder, could kind of be kind of in the mold that he could play like a super utility guy. And, uh, of course, Gavin Williams last year. I was big on Gavin Williams last year in the draft, you know. But he has the size, the makeup, the stuff to get going. But um, if I'm not mistaken, he had uh, – he the one that had Tommy John surgery last year at the end of the season? I think so. I feel like that sounds familiar. I'm just trying to see if he was. I'm just trying to see if he was the one that. Oh no, they just, they just shut him down. He wasn't the one. Who was I thinking of? I was thinking of someone else. Oh, uh, I think it was somebody. Uh, oh. It was Will Bedner, the other somebody else that was on the on Mississippi State. So that's I think it was. Oh, was it Will Bedner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gavin Williams pitched a lot last year, but he didn't he didn't I don't don't believe he pitched last year. Yeah. He didn't pitch last year. He drafted twenty third overall. Oh sorry, it was, I think it was yeah, it was actually uh Gunnar Ho- Hogland. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Gunnar Hoagland. He was drafted by the Dodgers, I think, right? Yeah. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because he was like a top 10 prospect last year coming into the draft. But he had Tommy John surgery. So no, people dropped him down. He was drafted by the Blue Jays, actually. Oh, okay. Completely wrong. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I liked Gavin Williams a lot coming out. Yeah, I, I think he's got he's got the size and the stuff. I mean, the dude's just he's six six two forty. I mean, he's just the monster on the mound. You know, as long as he can keep his mechanics, he's gonna he's gonna be good in a little while. But that's about it for Cleveland's farm system as a twins fan like i said i'm hoping none of them are good but yeah. <laughs> that's just me <laughs> yeah. tyler freeman if you're listening to this i'm sorry <laughs> yeah, right yeah uh, uh i don't know I guess that I mean that was really the main thing I was wanted to talk about since I did the Freeman interview. So really, really nothing else to touch on, but other than the stuff with the lockout. But I don't know. I don't really have the energy to bash Manford any more than I've already had. <laughs> yeah, it's draining at this point. It's really just not. It's just bad. It's just bad. I just want baseball to start already. Yeah. At least they have, uh, they've been having like minor league camp, like over in 
for the Yankees. They had they ha- they're having minor league camp over in Tampa right now, so yeah, had to see some looks at uh, Volpe and some of the other some of those other guys. Nice. Yeah. So our yeah the pinstripe prospects guy for that that's over in Tampa, John, uh, John Brophy. He's mm-hmm. he covers he covers the, the Tampa team, so he was over there getting some video and stuff. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah, he was tweeting a bunch of videos and pictures of that. So it's nice to see something at least. Yeah, I always like, you know, even though it was warm up here, I'm up here by Boston and it was like 57 degrees up here in the middle of February. I was like, what the hell's going on? But um, I always love that, like watching spring training because you see Florida and Arizona. See all the green grass, the warm weather and everything. And it just reminds you that like spring's coming. It gives you that hope. Like you're on the back end of winter now Uh, for us that live in the Northeast, like, you know, (laughs) you're in Pennsylvania. (laughs) So you get it too. You know, it just gives you that, that hope. Like, all right, winter's over. Spring is coming. The good weather and going outside barbecuing and stuff like that. Like just seeing Spring training baseball, uh, and we don't have that this year, not yet. Anyway, no, sad. Uh... Yeah, sucks. They give us no hope. <laughs> yeah, no hope. No hope for the wicked. Yeah, Manfred to give us hope if you just quit. No, yeah. I wish, I wish it happened. Like a lot of people were speculating, they were say, or ho- at least hoping that. That when he called the press conference, it was going to be him resigning. <laughs> yeah, no, that's but not happening. That, he, makes, he makes too much money for doing nothing. Yeah, you know, he's like a he's like a weatherman on TV. Oh. He can mess up the time, and it doesn't matter. He still gets paid. You know, so he'll still sit there and collect his. I, I think it's like ten million dollars a year that he makes. You know, he'll still sit there and collect that and do what? You know what I mean? What is he doing now? This is the thing I'm talking about, too, is that there's no effort. Like in the past over two months that they've had this lockout. What's he doing? Yeah. How is he earning his money? I don't know. What? And the thing, you know, I wasn't gonna even, I wasn't gonna say anything. Like, it just pisses me off so much that he's he, he's not even putting the blame on himself. He's like, it's everybody. It's there's the like the one line was the phone or what was it? Oh, the phone works two ways or yeah, something like that. Yeah, works two ways. It's like really, you haven't given any effort to even like you haven't used the phone either. So what are you talking about? That sounds like the phone works two ways or the phone works both ways, however he phrased it. That sounds like such a high school thing to say. Yeah. Like you're talking to a girl and then it's like, all right, she doesn't call you. And then she finally calls you three days later to like, why didn't you call me? Well, the phone works two ways. Like what, what uh, kind of uh, shit is that? <laughs> like, like, really? Is it like a girl? <laughs> Jesus. It's ridiculous. That's insane. For an adult. It makes me sick. 
<laughs> for for an adult who's running MLB <laughs> to say something like that is just I don't know <laughs> makes I'm, me laugh. I'm still waiting for Ro- Rotoware to get a shirt that says that. <laughs> like put a put a picture of man like Manfred as a clown, and then have yeah. that, have that line on it. That's just insane. I don't know. I just then, don't know. Like one of the other things he was saying too was like, uh, like somebody asked him about social media. It was like all these comments from the players and stuff from there, and he's like, "Oh, that doesn't affect me. I don't pay attention to it and all like all this." It's like that's where most of the freaking conversations are going on, like about baseball and people like that. If you want to help help this generation, I mean, you want to have have this generation be more interested in the game, like. You would actually be involved with social media, actually yeah. li- actually listen to people that are complaining about what you're not doing. Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. He's shown that he's so out of touch with everything, and it's a wonder why people people question why Major League Baseball doesn't market themselves better. Well, when you have a leader like that that doesn't pay attention to social media, does it? Well, he's you know. He's like, we could just keep doing the same things we've been doing for the past 150 years. And it, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You got to change. You got to evolve. Yeah. And he and the other, oh, and all the owners in the league are all, none of them are willing to evolve. They're all old men. Time's yeah. passed them by. Yeah, it's funny. You want to change the game. And get rid of these owners. Yeah, moving to the first century. You know what's funny? Like the Steve Cohen is like the only guy that's on Twitter too. Like he's the only owner that's on Twitter. Yeah, and Cohen's great. Yeah, you know Mets fans love him right now. Of course, when they go seventy-eight and eighty-four this year, <laughs> then they're gonna, they're gonna want to like burn his, <laughs> burn him. <laughs> In up in Queens, you know, but but it won't be his fault. Hey, look, Cohen took over the team. He made moves last year. You got to remember, he's made bad hires and shits happened, like with his GM, like you know, and all that stuff. That's- that situation. I mean, Sandy Alderson. How much more like can this guy work? The dude probably wants to retire. Wanted to retire three years ago, but he's like, "Fuck, man, the Mets can't hire a competent GM." Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> well, what's he supposed to do? But honestly, this offseason, there is no, there is no Met fan that can argue what Cohen did. Yeah, I mean, he pulled a Steinbrenner this year. Like, I'm talking George Steinbrenner, uh, not yeah. You know, but he pulled the George Steinbrenner. It was just like, all right, give me Max Scherzer. <laughs> I mean, he got Lindor last year. Yeah. Like, give me these guys. You know, yeah. and he made smart moves. I mean, getting Mark Hanna, getting that Eduardo Escobar. And it was one more guy. Who, who else did he get? They got Baez. No, Baez went to Detroit. Oh, last year. Yeah, last, he traded for Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trade I was talking to free agents. I thought there was one more free agent that they uh, I can't remember who they got now. Uh, they got one more free agent. Oh, Stanley Marte. Oh, yeah. 
that was one I was kind of mad at the Yankees didn't go after. Yeah. But I mean, you're I almost, getting like if you're Cohen, if you're a Met fan and you look at Steve Cohen, he goes out and gets Stalin Marte, the best outfielder on the market. He's by far this free agency. He got Max Scherzer. Yeah. And then you got Canna and Escobar. What more do you, you have to want, want the guy to do? <laughs> you know, he's done everything possible that a Met fan could really want. I, what was I saying? Oh, the, I almost forgot about like the all the free agent moves that happened before. It's like it's been. It seems like it's been years ago now. Right. I know. No free agent signings for the past over two months. I, and then I wonder too, like, once we actually get the lockout to end, like, how quickly are free, are they going to be signing? Like, is it going to? Like, yeah, I feel like it's still. I still like free agency is still going to drag on, even when it's even when the lockout's over. I don't think so. I think these guys are ready and they're going to be signed. I think, I think there's talks behind the scenes. Yeah, there's got to be. You can't. You can't tell me that. Scott Boris hasn't talked to like Steve Cohen, like some of these guys, like, all right, maybe not Cohen so much because he's signed a bunch of guys, but for his clients, you can't tell, like he's got Carlos Correa. Brian Cashman. You can't, you can't tell me he hasn't talked to owners behind the scenes. Come on. <laughs> we all know tampering happens. He's definitely got like a burner phone somewhere. Yeah, we all know this is, you know, we, don't, we all know how business is really done. It's, it's not like, oh, you're not allowed to talk to anybody. There's no deal. Yeah, there's no deals. Yeah. But you know what? As soon as the CBA is signed, don't be surprised within like three days that all the major free agents are done. <laughs> it surprise me at least. It'll be like with the, like the signing period. Like well, that's kind of yeah. before, that's kind of what it was before too. Like before the before the lockout, like there, that's what people were like trying to rush to get all these guys signed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like this, you know, the signing period for like NFL. Really, what is it? Three days, four days? Oh, yeah, something like that. Like, yeah, okay. No one's talked before then. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. It literally happens instantaneously. So it's not like you definitely talk beforehand. It's, it doesn't just happen automatically if you don't talk. Exactly. All of a sudden, they're coming to agreements on this big contract in like in the matter of <laughs> eight hours. Yeah. No, no. So it, we, we all know shit doesn't work that way. But of course, all the leagues, you know. They turned a blind eye to it, and that's fine. It is what it is. But I think, honestly, too, I think once the CBA is done, if the CBA is done at the end of the month, they're going to want all these guys in camp as soon as possible so they don't fuck up the regular season Yeah. on March 31st. So if they can get the CBA done by, say, February 24th, just to pick a random date, they're going to want everyone in camp 
by the following week. So at least they have like three, three and a half weeks of camp before the regular season starts, and then they can start the regular season on time. So you're going to see a shitload of signings once that's signed. And you know what the interesting part of this is, too? Yeah, I was thinking about it before. So the CBA, they go through all this. The CBA is signed. How long is it for? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they they might have to do, maybe they have to come to some kind of like short-term agreement, like two years, three years. I wonder. And then, and then because we just I, know, I know the one, the one that Selig did back in oh, 95, I believe it was, after the strike. I believe that was a 10-year deal. Really? If I'm not mistaken. Either that or the last one he did was a 10-year deal that expired now or something like that. But I wonder if, you know, maybe maybe the Players Association is willing to make a little more concessions if it's only a four-year CBA and they revisit this again. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have to agree on how long the CBA is. And there's a lot of leeway there. So, depending on who gets what, when we finally come to an agreement, I I wonder if the sides are going to disagree on how long the CBA actually lasts. That could be a major sticking point at the end of this whole thing. Yeah, could be. I mean, getting the agreement done is the most important thing, but honestly, that I could see that being a sticking point at the end of everything. Like, they've come to an agreement and everything, but the owners want it to be a 10-year deal, and the players want it to be a four-year deal. And here we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially if there's, like, things in there that they don't, they're not going to give them right away and they're and like they maybe try to get it again in whatever three or three or four years when the when it expires again or something and they don't want to have a long-term thing where it's like well what if we want to have something changed and we can't because we have to wait for 10 years exactly exactly and that's what i'm saying is that the players probably want to revisit this sooner than the owners do. I'm sure the owners would rather have something in place for the next 10 years. They don't have to deal with it. Yeah. I'm sure the players want to revisit it in four years and see how much money the owners are making and revisit it and say, hey, well, we get, we want to share of this. You just signed a big, you know, a big TV contract or whatever. So that it's something to look at. I mean, no one's talking about it right now. Because they're just trying to get a deal done. But like I said, that could be a sticking point at the end of this whole thing. I, I mean, as a, as a fan, of course, I'd love a 10-year deal. This would have to worry about this until 2032. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, 
I just don't think the players are going to go for a long term like long term CBA like that. No, yeah. I just want baseball at this point. I don't really care how long it is. Yeah, I agree with that. But one good, one good thing that should be coming out of this is the universal DH. That's what they said was in the deal. Or one of the yeah. one of the offers or whatever. Yeah, I think that's agreed upon. Yeah. So it's something that they both definitely both sides want, and so that's fine, and that's great. That's great. We don't have to watch pitchers hit. I mean, I know what's fun and all for the the very few pitchers that can actually <laughs> be decent at the plate like a Zach Greinke or Jake DeGrom or a Madison Bumgarner or whatever. But, I mean, honestly, most of them stink because <laughs> they don't practice it. So <laughs> let's move on. And it gives it gives players like someone like a Nelson Cruz or like a DH or J.D. Martinez. Mm-hmm. It opens up the market to half the league. Even somebody but, like Even somebody like Luke Boyd, too. Yeah, a lot of players, you know, a lot of players at that. And, you know, it opens up the chance to give guys rest. Yeah. And that's what a lot of teams use it for, unless you have a DH, like a J.D. Martinez or a Nelson Cruz, who is a, a staple in your lineup every day as the DH. A lot of teams use it as just a rest day. Yeah. They want to keep the guys batting the lineup, but they want to take them off the field because, you know, the guy, Josh Donaldson on the Twins, like, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, the guys in his on the other side of 35 and you want to give them a day off. They get a lefty on the mound starting. Hey, keep his bat in the lineup. Throw someone else at third. Yeah. And now the other thing, you don't have to have the stupid, uh, the double switches like every single time there's a pitcher pitching change because like oh people are always saying it's like oh i like the strategy in that but it's like just it just gets like tiring to seeing all these guys switch in and out like yeah i understand the whole strategy thing but that's you know what look i watch baseball in the late you know i started watching baseball in the late 70s early 80s and they do all these double switches and stuff like that. Yes, I understood back then. Yeah. It was a lot of it was a lot of that because it was because your pitchers also pitched seven, eight innings. Oh yeah. So it was a lot of double switches then. Nowadays it doesn't matter. It's not even what are you double switching? Look, it doesn't matter because you're bringing in three relievers every game. So it's not, it's not even that big of a deal where you have to turn over the, like, switch the lineup around. That was the whole point of the double switch because you had to pitch a spot up in the next inning. So you would double switch so a hitter hitting that spot and he could play the field. That, that was basically the whole premise of it. But you don't even need that anymore. Well, Especially if you put a DH in a National League. <laughs> no one hears about a double switch. The pitch is not hitting anyway. Yeah. So it it does nothing. It takes away the strategy completely. So there's no use. 
for whatsoever. It was also to get like a defensive guy in the, you know, defensive guy in the outfield. You put him in center field. Oh, yeah. You know, in the seventh inning, you take out your starter, you double switch. So it's like he'll bat third next inning because he'll bat in the pitcher spot. And then that relief pitcher will bat in the original center fielder spot. Blah, 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 blah. But it's just, it's antiquated. It's not, it's not even done anymore. So it's, you know, it's worthless. Well, I think that's about all I wanted to cover today. So, hitting what are we at? Like an hour? So, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're good. Uh, yeah, and you can check out my article version of the interview on Primetime Sports Talk and all the other things, like I mentioned before. Check out all the articles for on the prospects we're doing. We're doing uh, all-time rosters as well, 26-man rosters. And then all the other stuff like the betting, the DFS stuff. We're going to be starting up uh, some fan- baseball fantasy like for the preseason, preseason rankings here soon. And uh, it's, once we do have a season, like in-season DFS and regular season fantasy, so that'll be fun. We keep up with doing that. It'll be really good for the site to do those things, you know, daily and weekly. But yeah, so, hopefully we get some more in-season stuff too. Yeah, I I think we will. Like as long as we keep up with the like doing DFS every day, it should be good. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be big into DFS this year. But I know, like Carter, like Carter Lacourt was doing his uh, Sunday shenanigans every Sunday. Oh yeah, like a story. It was a great article, great article every week. Yeah, that was interesting. I like that. Yeah, so trying to like do stuff like that. Like, you know, I remember doing it to Scorecrow, like Throwback Thursdays or Flashback Fridays, like old school like players and stuff like that. So definitely going to be doing some stuff like that. Yeah, I think. I'll I'll try to dive into some more of that stuff too. Like I was, uh, what was I was doing something last? I, I started up doing something. I just never kept going with it. I forget what it was. Oh, stat. It was like the stat smash. Yeah, stat smash Saturdays. I think it was. I might try to do that yeah, again. Yeah. Do like yeah. Find like the best stats of the week, or something like that. Yeah. Remember that yeah, I did. Good. Because I think the one I did was uh, I had like it was during the week of one of the no hitters. I think I had that as like the top top uh, stat for the week. Yeah, stuff like that is definitely going to be huge. I mean, just got to be just got to be consistent. Yeah. Oh, 
But as always, yeah, you, you guys can uh, find Prime Time on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, even TikTok. I had I started that up, making some videos for there. Um, but yeah, pretty much every any social media channel you can find us on. Follow us and find all of our stuff, our graphics, Anderson. Picard, he's been doing the graphics now. Jer our our old guy left for uh, Jeremy. He left for the athletic a, a little while ago. So now Anderson is doing the, the graphics. He's been doing a good job keeping up with those on social media. So he did the. He recently came out with the ones our picks for the Super Bowl. So you can find those on Instagram. But yeah, as far as this podcast, hopefully we can. I'll be doing some more episodes, you know, once once every couple of weeks or so, or maybe once the season starts, I'll be trying to do a weekly episode. So, yeah, I'll try to find content to delve into. And now, as always, you can never have too much pods are. Thanks for listening.